0: the hold of Mezco.
1: Good snap. Good hold.
2: To the score. Here's your host, Brett Wiseman.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the score with Brett Wiseman here on Backroads Sports Radio, TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com and AM 1470 WWBG. Um, some news to share with you all as we as we begin the program. This will, this may come as a surprise to many. Uh, things have, at least professionally for me, been very fluid and very much of a whirlwind over the past 72 or so hours, uh, pretty much the entire week, um, and they've finally come to a head. Um, that being said, this will be the final episode of The Score with Brett Wiseman here on Backroad Sports Radio, it's BeckerwoodSportsRadio.com and WWBG 1470 AM. Um, I have accepted a full-time position um, within professional sports. I am not at liberty to say what that position is at the moment. That will come in due time. Uh, if you follow me on social media, stay tuned to it there. Um, And stay tuned to the social media of a very certain professional sports franchise. But um, before we bring one of, if not the most important panelists in the history of this show, not named James Wilson, uh, Christian Emery, into the program, uh, one of my best friends on the planet, um, I'd be remiss if I did not thank Desmond Johnson for all that he has done to give us, give myself and give every one of the panelists the platform. Uh, that we've been so privileged to use on this program, um, how far this thing has come in the two and a half years since since Desmond launched uh, Tobacco Road Sports Radio and brought me my show, this show, along as a part of that launch. Um, and all of you, um, w- without all of you listening and tuning and liking and sharing, um, none of this would have been possible. But... Um, While it is bittersweet, Christian Emery, our favorite sport, we do have to talk about it. And even though you have advanced professionally somewhat, you're up in Minnesota. Yep. Uh, You're up in hockey country. That does not stop you from keeping track of your Carolina Hurricanes. We're three weeks into the NHL season now. Uh, What are these Canes looking like? And what can we expect going forward?
0: Yeah, they look as kind of as I expected them to look. They, uh, I don't know what word this. They look about as good as I thought they would. They competed in every game. They haven't. I think they're four one in one somewhere around there. Off the top of my head, I don't remember. Um, but they're they're doing hurricane things as you'd expect with this team. Um, defense is great. Brent Burns is contributing like you, like Canes fans hoped he would. He's playing offensively. He's recorded. He's had a few games already with a couple points. points. Uh, Frederick Anderson and Ranta seem to be recovered from their injuries. Um, yeah. It's just that they're playing like the team that they should have been last year in the playoffs if it, and uh, that's all without Max Pacioretty, who is going to be um, back late June. or Sorry, late June. We're nowhere near that right now. Late January to mid-February, somewhere in that window. So, yeah, the team's doing what they're
1: supposed to do, and they're looking good. And the hope would be that Max Pacioretty is back in time for the stadium series game, which tickets went on sale for yesterday. If you didn't get them within the first, I don't know, 10, 12 hours of them being available, you're probably going to have to give up an organ uh, to be in the crowd because the cheapest ticket I've seen since the initial drop, so to speak, was I think $327 uh, on Ticketmaster. So that's that's the cheapest ticket. Uh, to get into Carter-Finley Stadium for that one. But yeah, the hope would be that Max Pacioretty comes back, um, if not right just in time, uh, but in enough time where he can get a few games in before that one happens. Also, of note, before we continue along, um, there's talk of some college hockey being played uh, the Monday after that game. Um, with some triangle schools. We don't know who, um, but there, there, there could be some college hockey that will occur on that rink. But uh, that's, that, that announcement will come at a later time as well. That being said, um, you talked about how well this team is playing or how this team is playing, how they could have played in the playoffs, which I am assuming means that the power play is actually producing, Right.
0: Yeah, their penalty kill is as good as it was last year, if not better, and they're they're not scoring at the volume like like you like I think a lot of Hurricane fans hoped that they would. But you're not going to go out there and score four to five goals every game. It just, it's it's not feasible to to expect that. Uh, but yeah, their power play looks to be much improved. They can roll out multiple units and have a threat to score. And it's looking more improved than it did the last month and a half, and into the playoffs of last year. And we'll see if that continues. That, like you said, that was the Achilles' heel outside of not being able to win on the road for the team last year. And I know we're only uh, we're only um, six games into
1: the year, but I mean they're doing well. You really get the sense, at least I'm getting the sense, that from the time this team stepped into camp and from when this when this season is gonna be all said and done, this is a Carolina Hurricanes team that feels like they have a lot to prove to a lot of people and they're fully aware of that, but they're also not they're not shying away from it at all. No, they're they're
0: not. They they know what went wrong last year in the playoffs, which was the lack of scoring. And the power play was a huge part of that. Um, And they know that um, what it's going to take to win the Metro division. They know what it's going to take to get past probably the Rangers in the second round of the playoffs again, much to, I really don't want that matchup again, but here we are. Um, And then I think they're of the mindset of, okay, let's get past the second round. Let's, take care of the division. And if we have to play Tampa again, then if we have to play Tampa in the the conference finals, we have to play Florida. If we have to play one of the other three or two or three teams in the Atlantic that they can get past great, but let's focus on getting to the playoffs and getting out of the first two rounds, because every year under Rod Brindamore, they've gone, this is, they've gone farther, but last year was the first season under Rod or that they
1: did not advance past where they had the previous year. Right. Yeah. And, and last year I think was the, the most likely when you looked at things overall among the three that you could honestly have said that team could have made the final. Um, the other two years, the runs were a little bit unexpected, I think past where uh, you would have anticipated them going. But last year that was a Stanley cup caliber winning team this year. It's no different, and the expectation um, has not changed from from top to bottom within the organization. Just a couple of minutes left here, Christian. Uh, let's talk about the real surprise of the NHL so far: it's the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, John Tortorella, as demonstrative and controversial, and interesting and offbeat and off color as he can be. Um, as a head coach, you know, orthodox methods that he sometimes uses verbally. Um, he has this Philadelphia Flyer team bought in and believing, and they right now are the biggest surprise in the NHL. Why?
0: Yeah, I think it goes. I know in Columbus, things didn't exactly pan out the way that they, that they uh, had hoped. Granted, Columbus's roster talent is kind of... Uh, it's not usually the best, but that's neither here nor there. But he did have success when he was coach of the Tampa Bay Lightning. So I don't know. I mean, he he was head coach of the Tampa Bay Lightning. He had some success, and I think he's he definitely has more talent with this Flyer team than he had with Columbus. And I think he he knows how to push the buttons. I'm shocked that he can get that he can get along with Tony D'Angelo
1: um but i think that's and, the biggest shock to everybody is that those two are actually coexisting at this point yeah and i think he may have just needed
0: a season off where he wasn't coaching and um to kind of like Mac brown of the tar heels in football he he took the he took a leave of absence from actually coaching the game went to tv and now he's having success um coaching a team that like both of us expected or didn't expect the team that's competing right now. And I think they're only a point out at first in the Metro. Granted, it's only six games in, but still.
1: I think that's the team to watch for going forward, is, is can they keep up this incredibly hot star? Christian Emery, live from the state of hockey in Minnesota, um, as both of us have advanced our careers professionally. Christian, uh, before we let you go, this show would not be where it is and would not be leaving the place it is without your insight and, uh, and your expertise and, and most of all your friendship. So, uh, thank you for all that you've contributed to us, to the station, um, and to the general hockey knowledge of the Piedmont Triad for the past two years. Yeah, I've enjoyed doing this. It it was one you and I met, I think
0: the first time we met was doing broadcasts together at app, um first time I met you, of course, I think you were wearing a St. Louis blue shirt. I, mean, I probably was, yeah. Um, and, yeah, it's, this has been something that I've enjoyed doing. I've enjoyed making fun of NC State multiple times, which was <laughs> – um, I, Yeah, I enjoyed talking about hockey. Um, as you said, I advanced. I'm a sports director here at a station in Minnesota. I didn't expect that, but here we are. Um, and, yeah, the show's been fun. I – when I was kind of stuck at a previous employer, I won't name, um, this was kind of the outlet that I used to, um, kind of talk sports and be involved in sports media and had a lot of fun doing it. And, uh, I just appreciate you having me on for
1: always, always, always happy to. And you know, that that's, uh, It's a bond that we're going to share for for a long time to come, Christian. Thank you, buddy. Uh, When we come back, the rest of the panel will join us. Alex Wober, Josh Scott, Will Higdon, uh, they'll all be on uh, to uh, talk some football and uh, share some general thoughts about the program here on the farewell episode of The Score. Welcome back to the bittersweet farewell episode of The Score with Brett Wiseman here on Tobacco Road Sports Radio and TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. The fellas that are joining me have been, um, shall we say, invaluable um, to how far this show has come um, in the short time that it's existed um, in, in the two plus years that we've been that we've been on the air. Um Josh God is with us. Will Higdon is with us. Um Alex Wober I think is attempting to be here. Uh Christian Emery cannot. Uh, but he has been more than invaluable um to the success of this program. Um and uh James Wilson the original solo co-host of this program. Um he'll he'll be joining us. Um next up uh, to round things out. But you heard Desmond Johnson in the last segment talk about how this thing's been built and uh, and all that. But um, in case you did not hear it at the top of the show, this will be um, the final episode of The Score with Brett Wiseman here at Tobacco Road Sports Radio and 1470 WWBG. Um, I'm not at liberty to say what position I am taking at the moment. Um, that announcement will come next week. Um, so stay tuned to, um, if you follow me on social media, uh stay tuned to a certain professional sports franchise's social media. Uh you'll you'll find it out that way. I'll leave it at that. Um But I've taken another opportunity full time um that requires my full attention. Um and that leaves that leaves us in in good hands. And Alex Wober is with us now as well as Josh God and, and Will Higdon. Um Again, before we move on, I know we got other legitimate things to talk about, but the three of you, oh goodness, Uh, the three of you, Christian, um, Garrett, Michael, everybody, um, just this would not have gotten to the point that it is without any of you. And um, first of all, thank you uh, for all that you've done to help me. Uh, to help this show grow um, and leave uh, whatever is in this slot going forward um, in, in a really good place. So thank you guys.
2: Thank you, Brett. It means a lot. You've... Uh having us on as frequently as you've had. it, I remember when you first started this show and I was like, man, hopefully I get the chance to be on it. That'd be cool. And then you reached out to me and of course, Alex and Will joining us and all the other names that you mentioned, but uh, I personally have enjoyed being on this show with you just to talk Panthers and then, you know, NFL, baseball, basketball, NASCAR, you know, it's been a lot of fun and I've really enjoyed it. So appreciate it, man.
3: Yeah. I just want to echo everything that uh, Josh said. I joined uh, last October. It's basically been almost a full year now for me being involved with this program. And uh, yeah, it's been a lot of fun talking Panthers, racing, football, all sorts of stuff. Yeah, I just want to thank everybody involved and it was really fun. I really enjoyed it.
4: I, I want to do the same as well. Echo what both the guys are saying and as well as you, Brad, you know, it's, it's so fun at work as as well as you guys can relate and, you know, Getting the text in the group chat. Hey, we're meeting today. We're we're talking sports, and you know when I was having a bad day, and I got to come on. That that was a highlight of my week. Was able to see the guys I went to school with and then talk to on a daily basis. And yeah, again, it's it's been great, Brett. Thank you very much.
1: And that that's what's made it the most special is is that you know we've we've known each other, and then and then Will came on later on, and we've all formed a a tight knit bond. And that's wherever this show. Goes whoever picks it up and what whatever our fine head man Desmond Johnson decides to do uh, with this slot, um, it's in a good spot because you guys are as good as it gets at, at what you guys do and help me out tremendously. So, anyways, enough watershed bittersweet stuff. Let's talk about football. Uh, we talked in the last segment with uh, Desmond Johnson about P.J. Walker. Um, there were some throws Josh Scott and Will... Alex, we'll get to you know your somehow surprising Seahawks here in a second. Yeah, yeah, revel in my pity, as a Packers fan. Anyways, uh, Josh and Will, we we talked with Desmond about P.J. Walker in the last segment. There were some throws that he made on Sunday that were when I, mean, I use the word talking to somebody Mahomesian, especially the one where he hit the not shallow. Not deep crosser, but the kind of medium crosser to DJ Moore. And he basically threw... Looked like he threw one of those Nerf footballs that has the wings on the back of it. (laughs) Right into the bucket. And that wasn't the only throw like that that he made. He made some next-level throws. So it begs the question for me, and I asked Desmond this, is this an audition for PJ Walker beyond this year? to where potentially he could be the starter come 2023 and Baker Mayfield could be out the door?
2: Well, I think it's too early to say to go that far. But P.J. Walker certainly, and I'm sure Will will agree with me when I say this, he definitely put his best football in front of him on Sunday against the Buccaneers. And uh, that was certainly not a something I think we expected Um you know, could just, I mean, with everything that this Panthers team's been through over the last couple of weeks, to see that kind of performance, um, again, third string starting quarterback, you know, you just traded away your best player, uh, you just traded away one of your better wide receivers, and your head coach has been fired. All of that's happened in the last couple of weeks, and considering P.J. Walker was able to lead this team, lead this offense, they hadn't been able to do anything all season and go out there and, and, and do what they did against Tom Brady, arguably the greatest quarterback of all time and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, is truly nothing short of phenomenal. Um, now, will this Panthers team continue to roll with him? I mean, Steve Wilkes thinks so, at least for this upcoming Sunday against the Atlanta Falcons and possibly, you know, future games after that. Do I think that there could be a new face of the franchise at quarterback – by the time next april comes around that's a very big possibility but for now pj walker showed a sunday well that i think he can hold his own and potentially you know be a game bridge quarterback for the yeah. uh, upcoming future
3: i think pj has tried to show in this game that um even though he, he was technically a third-string quarterback, he wanted to show that he can at least provide something to a team, at, at the very least be a very serviceable backup to the Panthers or any team in the future that would have potential to sign him on in the future. And one, yeah, he was making some really good throws. The one throw that I keep going back to was that, that touchdown pass he threw to Tommy Trimble in the third quarter. I think it was the third quarter that basically put the game out of reach for Tampa right. Bay. That was a perfectly placed ball that PJ threw. And that was, I mean, this was really a statement win for this Carolina Panthers team. I mean, with Tom Brady, the Buccaneers have basically just blew the doors off this the Matt Rule Panthers for the, the better part of two years. And for them to go out there on their, on their own home field and just completely blow them out. That's a, that's a, that's a culture setting win right there. It doesn't matter who the coach or the quarterback is the players. There's a lot of young players on the roster that need to learn how to win within the division. And this team is that win on Sunday was definitely, it definitely showed that.
4: It didn't. Yeah, quick, go ahead, Alex. Sorry. What will said? I 1000% agree with in terms of the divisional games. I think, Obviously, right now in the NFC South, things are wide open with, as well as a lot of other divisions. Winning those games is so important, and if those guys, like you're talking about, can understand that and take those wins from the Buccaneers, from the Falcons, from the Saints, it will take this team very far. And, and I think that's a key for Carolina to stay at the top of the division. But go yes. ahead, Brett.
1: Yeah, and, and I'll echo what Will said about it being a, a culture-defining win. Um, when you look at the locker room video from after that game, that's a complete 360-degree flip emotionally from a month ago. Um, Steve Wilkes has gotten these guys, it it, lo- it seems like, to buy into what he's selling. Um, and those guys want to go out there and win for him. Uh, that's That's clearly evident in just that little two-and-a-half-minute clip of looking inside the locker room post game, But, Alex, you touched on it. I don't think any of us going into the season thought that the Atlanta Falcons would be the best team in the NFC South. But that's the case right now. Marcus Bardiotas is making me look like a complete buffoon because uh, I said the Falcons would win more than two games with him, and now they've won, what, three, four now, working on the fourth. Um... Granted, this Panthers team at two and five is a game out of first. Like this, this division is simultaneously competing for a division championship and a playoff spot and a top fifteen pick. It's like, like twenty
3: fourteen all over again. Yeah, <laughs> it's
1: like twenty fourteen with or twenty twenty with the uh, with the NFC least. I mean, th- this is who can. Suck, but not suck the most. This is who can be the most mediocre team in football that's going to win this division. It's it's wild. So, guys, when you look at Carolina's upcoming schedule, what is it going to take for this team? We, we kind of touched on it. The young guys have to step up. But what is it going to take for this team to ride the coattails of Steve Wilkes? get a big win over the Atlanta Falcons, get a head-to-head win against them, and by some miracle, maybe pull this thing out at 8-10, 9 and, or not 8 and 10, 8 and 9, or 9 and 8, or 6 and 11, or something like that. What's it going to take for this team to pull this out, even if the record is not, you know, (laughs) comparable to other division winners?
2: Well, it's two things for me. The uh, offense needs to play as well as they played on Sunday consistently. And this team needs to be, needs to be healthy. Uh, when this team is fully healthy, it is competitive. And, you know, on offense, there aren't too many – there aren't really any notable injuries right now. But on defense, there are some notable players out right now and, and questionable as we speak on whether or not they'll be playing this Sunday. Uh, J. C. Horn, being one of those notable names, has been out now for a couple of games with an injury. Um, you know, and and other quarter cornerbacks. Uh, the cornerback room for for this Panthers team has been kind of thin, stretched thin lately. But um, yeah, if the offense can play consistently well as they did on Sunday against the that last Sunday against the Buccaneers, and this team stay completely healthy, Steve Wilkes, this Steve Wilkes led team could potentially. Be onto something
3: yeah I think I think eight and nine is a very is a record that could very easily win the NSC South division and it's just as Josh said it goes back to playing complementary football the offense needs to play well and play it consistently in order to keep the defense rested and keep them off the field and the players on defense like JC Horn and Jeremy Chen can get healthy and get back on the field this can be a very competitive team and just to Add in one more little nugget. If the Panthers win against the Falcons and the Bucks lose to the Ravens, the Panthers will be in first place in the NFC South. Even, even at a 3-5 at a record, they could be in first place at the NFC South and be potentially on the road to the playoffs, as crazy as that is. As much as fans might want the team to tank for Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud, the players want to win. And I want to see this team get to the playoffs, even at eight and nine. I think that would be crazy. That would be hype.
1: And you still wouldn't have a terrible draft pick. Like I said, you could win the division and have a draft pick in the top, you know, first half of the first round, 15th, 16th overall pick. And this quarterback class in the next April is actually a really good class. It's a deep
2: class. So even if we, you know, if the Panthers do get a high draft pick and not get Bryce Young or CJ Stroud, you've still got guys like Hendon Hooker that are potentially available. So this is a deep quarterback class that the Panthers still could take advantage of, even if they aren't high up the draft boards come next April.
1: Plus it's basically like drafting a quarterback all over again when you get Matt Corral back next year. But you said it deep quarterback class, not even just in the first round. I mean, there's guys like Michael Penix jr. Um, Martinez from Kansas State, formerly Nebraska. Um, Je- Je- yeah, K- KJ Jefferson. Devin uh, Leary Adam, out of NC Have Arkansas. Devin Leary. Fan Max Bult. Duggan. Max Duggan from TCU. There are a lot of gunslinging quarterbacks. Spencer Sanders from Oklahoma State. Uh, there are a lot of quarterbacks. There's probably fifteen to twenty we can name right now. We could take a whole show naming quarterbacks that are probably going to get drafted next year, whether it's as a backup or or, or to be someone's starter. But that being said, before we move on to the rest of the NFL, fun fact, because as the triad knows, I'm a nerd and know things that most other people don't. Uh, This week in 1993 (laughs) is when the NFL approved the Panthers as the 29th NFL franchise. The original plan for the Panthers' home stadium was to build it adjacent to Carowinds on the North and South Carolina state line so that midfield was on the state line just as part of Carowinds is the state line. Midfield was so that half the field would be in North Carolina and half the field would be in South Carolina. That plan was scrapped naturally and I think rightfully so. Although that would have been cool. It did not happen. Just like when the Minnesota Twins almost moved to Kernersville. Yeah, that would have been cool. Uh, but it was never going to happen and it didn't happen. And there's probably good reason for that. Uh, not that I wouldn't have enjoyed a major league baseball team in the triad, but Kernersville might have actually swallowed itself whole if it had to build a 40,000 seat ballpark. Uh, anyways, as much as I love K Vegas, don't get me wrong. Um, you can only build so much underneath the water tower at Glen High School. I don't think we can fit a ballpark over there, guys. It's okay. We can fit an Amazon facility, FedEx factory. Not a ballpark. Uh, anyways, Alex, for some unknown, ungodly reason, your team is good. Why?
4: We didn't write back, like Gino said. Oh my God! Okay, <laughs> we didn't all right, write that's back. it. We're done. I mean, why But well, l- let me get into it for just a second. It, it, it all starts with, and, and I'm, I've been saying this since we traded. The detailed
1: response is Alex kept receipts.
4: We did, we did. <laughs> but my my first thought when Russell got traded was maybe maybe we're smart maybe we know what we're doing maybe there is something wrong with him maybe he is still that injury still lingering and it's proving right so far obviously Drew Locke hasn't gotten on the field yet which is fine by me I don't want to see him touch the football this season probably right now with how well Geno's playing but Gino just has the confidence right now the confidence to win the confidence to play under Pete Carroll He's been in this system for five-plus years. He, he knows the, the rhythm of this offense. And I, I think a lot of these guys are really revolving around him. They respect him. They know that he has this leadership. In terms of the defense, though, first four games of the season, they were terrible. Bottom defense in the league, if I can say so myself. These past two games, you held the Arizona Cardinals, again, without DeAndre Hopkins, to no touchdowns. And then you just beat a Los Angeles Chargers team who, yes, did have a few injuries, but this is one of the high-powered offenses in the NFL. So what I'm seeing out of Seattle is this is not a rebuild anymore. This is a remodel. They're remodeling things. They're not trying to scrap everything and start from the get-go. They want to keep pushing with what they have and try and make a culture out of it.
1: That's actually perfect terminology. Honestly. It's
2: not a rebuild, it's a remodel. I like that quote. I put that I, I, on I like social that.
1: media. It's not, it's, not, it's not like Aaron Rodgers said a few years ago, we don't need to rebuild, we need to reload. This isn't a reload. This is a complete remodel. It's like when they closed the McDonald's for two weeks, reshape the whole thing, and then open it back up, except the you're not closed. Yeah, 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 take the take the playground out. We don't need that anymore. We don't need the ball pit that's a cesspool of bacteria. Get it out of here. <laughs> uh, use the Matt Rule bleach bottle.
4: Ugh. Mm. Anyways...
1: Um, very good points Alex I agree wholeheartedly um, while we still have everyone here so you all can grief me and give me grief for how bad the Green Bay Packers are it wouldn't be the last episode of the score if I didn't I- complain about the Green Bay Packers I'd but love it- to
4: ask you a question though Brett. okay because you're always asking us questions I figured now we're on the Packers it's time to ask you a question
1: might as well end the show on me getting asked questions.
4: I guess my question is because after the draft, how, how many defensive players they took, they really stacked up with Georgia players in the draft. So, And I think when we talked about the draft that on the score episode, we talked about how this defense was going to be a little bit of a new look. They, they upgraded at a lot of positions. And I didn't, you know, besides losing Hackett, I didn't think that the offense really changed too much besides Adams and Hackett. What is the problem? And, and Dylan's not really involved in the game plan. They're struggling to get Aaron Jones involved. Rodgers and the receivers, that's been the storyline for the past few weeks. So what do you think is the sole problem of this team?
1: There's not a sole problem. There's a multitude of problems. Multitude, okay. Um, number one, you said it. A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones both are not getting the ball enough. Aaron Jones, most touches he had other than the Bears game where he had 200-plus all-purpose yards was Sunday against the Commanders, and A.J. Dillon was barely on the field. Um, there's that. There's the fact that not only was receiver thin coming into the year with two rookies, but one of the rookies has been hurt. Randall Cobb's now on the shelf for six weeks. Christian Watson's been in and out with this hamstring thing. Uh, So Romeo Dobbs has been having to carry a lot of the load, basically for him and Christian Watson, both. Um... And the other thing is, as much as I love Aaron Rodgers, he's not taking a whole lot of accountability. Um, He's missing a lot of throws. Uh, A lot of times he's throwing where he thinks guys should be and maybe guys aren't running the routes properly. But uh, there was a fourth and two on Sunday that Romeo Dobbs dropped, but the ball was at his ankles and Rodgers almost threw it like a Tebow jump pass. His arm angle was at like 140 degrees. He basically popped it over the top of the line. There's throws that Aaron Rodgers was making before he hurt his thumb against the Giants in London that simply he he's missing. The entire offense is out of sync. And it's not just because of Nathaniel Hackett, uh, it's not just because Aaron Rodgers has a different quarterback coach, because the quarterback coach became the offensive coordinator. When Nathaniel Hackett took the Broncos' job, which also leads me to my next point, point. and somebody said this to me the other night: "What if Devonte Adams was just making Matt Lafleur and Nathaniel Hackett look like geniuses?" Because Nathaniel Hackett is not doing a whole lot of point scoring with the Denver Broncos. Let's just put it mildly, and he has Russell Wilson, and Jerry Judy, and Javante Williams as a running back. So he he he's got he's got the pieces, but. Rodgers keeps talking about, we need to shift personnel around. We need to simplify the play calling. We need to get the running backs involved more. All that is 100% true. But Aaron Rodgers needs to take some sort of accountability that he is not himself right now. He is not accurate. Plus, he does not have time to throw the football. And if David Bakhtiari, no offense given here, but... If just like what happened this weekend, he wakes up on a Saturday morning and magically his knee all of a sudden doesn't feel good after it felt good all week in practice, and then boom, he wakes up one morning and it's tightened like a pretzel, you know, what do you do? Um, Obviously, you have to make a move for a wide receiver at the trade deadline, I think. But who?
4: But, I mean, Judy's out there. I mean, Odell's not going to be available, and you don't have to trade for him, but he's not going to be available until December. He's not going to be
1: available until December, so it's... It's not even worth signing him at this point to to pay him for a month that he's not going to play. I I
4: think Judy would be a very good move to make. It's just what you would be willing to give up to obtain him.
1: Well, here's the there's there's quite a few um, on the market. Um, Judy, I've heard uh, Chase Claypool's name thrown around. Um, Elijah Moore of the Jets requested a trade. Eventually, we're going to get to the point like it was with Odell when he got cut last year and when every other wide receiver becomes available, which is the Packers were in on the conversation. Um, I can't wait to read that tweet when, <laughs> when, when Michael Pittman, Chase Claypool, Elijah Moore, Jerry Judy are all traded on deadline day before 2 o'clock. Uh, but yeah, Elijah Moore requested a trade. I don't think Michael Pittman Jr. is off the table. Um, the preference I've heard is for Green Bay to get someone who's got one year or less of team control and or is on a rookie deal. Pittman, Claypool, Judy, Moore, all four on rookie deals. All four guys that they have inquired on. DJ Moore is not...
3: He's off limits. He's
1: no. not he's, hes not going anywhere. Sorry. The only other Panthers player that's probably going to get traded is Shaq Thompson. Other than that, they're holding on to everybody. Um, the question is, what would you be willing to give up if you're Green Bay? And Aaron Rodgers talked about having those discussions with Brian Gutekunst. But the the overall overarching question is, uh, do you finally recognize that there's a need there or is um, budget boy Brian Gutekunst going to uh, go for the great value wide receiver at the trade deadline and pick somebody up off the street that's Jawan Winfrey 2.0? Or is he going to go out and get a Jerry Judy or a Chase Claypool or an Elijah Moore or a Michael Pittman Jr.? That's the question. And going into Buffalo this week, it's not, it's not going to be pretty. Aaron Rodgers is a double-digit underdog in a primetime game for the first time in his career. Even the game against New England, the year Green Bay won the Super Bowl, that he didn't play in because of a concussion. Matt Flynn started. The line at kickoff was nine and a half.
4: Matt Flynn,
1: respect. I mean, <laughs> and the thing, the, the, the thing, this is Sunday was supposed to be a get right game for Green Bay. It wasn't. It was a. It, it it further threw them down the rabbit hole of what in the world is going on. So, like Aaron Rodgers said, this might be the best thing for him to go into Buffalo as fourteen and a half point underdogs, and nobody's going to give him a chance. Then again, they might fall flat on their face but if by some miracle they pull this thing out, that could be the, just like five years ago when they won eight in a row um, the the run the table season five, six years ago. I can't remember if it was 16 or 17. I think it was 16 when they lost to Atlanta. Um, there's a Monday night game against the Eagles that again, they were nine and a half point underdogs in. But
4: I think the best. This could
1: be the turning point of the season.
4: I think the best scenario, or I think the best fits, are Claypool and Elijah Moore because of what you would have to give up. I don't think with. I don't think the Steelers would ask for a crazy McCaffrey package from Claypool. I, you wouldn't, also, think. I, I wouldn't think. I wouldn't I think Elijah Moore. I mean, the Jets, whatever guy's name is at GM that I, I see all over Twitter is he's this guy who just. snatches up draft picks and players like nothing. I forget his name, the GM for the Jets. But I I like Elijah Moore because he's obviously unhappy in New York. I think he'd be much better with a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, and I think Aaron Rodgers would appreciate a wide receiver like Elijah Moore, who's young, and he's a great route runner. That's what he did at Ole Miss. So I think that would fit well with uh, Aaron Rodgers. Brett, I don't know what you think.
1: Uh, I totally agree with you. Unfortunately, we are out of time. Guys, love each and every one of you to death. Thank you so much for for doing what you've done for this show and for me. Um, And on to greener pastures uh, for all of us. Will, good luck with your job interview. Alex, keep doing your thing up at uh, Francis Marion. It's
4: a terrible heart, but
1: yeah. (laughs) You know, it's it's rain soaked because it's you know well, Seattleized.
4: Uh, I, so. I could be on the move soon as well, Brett. Uh, Whoa, get, wait! Tell us bruise.
1: more about that later. And uh, Josh, keep killing it up there in the in the boonies. I mean, boon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> go, uh, go, go, go! Watauga pioneers, Wataga. Hashtag go pioneers, baby. Hashtag go pioneers. Hashtag go WATA. Shout out, fantastic radio station, and uh, shout out to. WASU as well. Guys, thank you so much. Love you all.
4: Bye.